Hey, welcome to the Mind Your Health Podcast. I'm so glad you can join us. I'm your host, Dr. Mina Merholm. I'm a board-certified psychiatrist and an assistant professor of clinical psychiatry in Columbia University. I'll be speaking with some of the leading experts in mental health around the world to learn how we can incorporate principles of lifestyle changes, our faith, as well as some of the leading innovations in mental health to learn how we can live happier and more fulfilled lives. And hopefully we'll have some fun along the way. I hope this inspires you and encourages you to mind your health. Welcome everyone back to the Mind Your Health podcast today. I am so delighted to have um, my good friend, an amazing writer and speaker and and, uh, just a health advocate, Dr. John White, the Chief Medical Officer of WebMD. Dr. White, welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. Of course. Thanks for including me. I, I always appreciate our conversations. I feel like I, I learn with so much about the mind-body connection and the role of mental health. So thank you as well. Thank you, Dr. Wright. I appreciate that. And and you know, I've been enjoying so much, you know, getting into your book since its release. It's been really eye-opening. You know, I have my coffee and I'm kind of digging into it. And just the more I'm seeing, even beyond the chapters themselves, from the very cover, I wanted to just ask you this idea of taking control of your cancer risk. I'll tell you, for me as a psychiatrist, seeing some patients who feel like they have anxiety about getting sick and they feel like cancer is one of those things that's like getting hit by a bus, like you're just going to come outside and just get cancer all of a sudden. So I just wanted to ask you this idea of taking control of your risk. How did you get into this idea of, of writing it for this book? As you know, I'm an internist. I, I still see patients. So we spend so much time in educating people. How do you prevent diabetes? You know, create a whole new definition of pre-diabetes. We talk to people about how do you prevent heart disease? Don't eat fatty foods, even exercise. We call it cardio. But when it comes to cancer, we, we don't provide context. And for years, so many people thought it's either due to bad genetics and the reality heard it mutations or your genes. 70%, the majority overall is caused by how we eat, how we sleep, the amount of stress in our lives, the amount of physical activity. And the good news about that is those are things that you can control. But you know, as physicians, we tell people, you need to lose weight or you need to go to the gym, eat healthy. That, that's not helpful. People need to understand what they should do that's backed by science. So that's what I try to incorporate here. What are those tips and tools that we've learned through science and, and through how cancer develops that's going to help you prevent it? I love that so much, you know, and I, and I, one of the sort of the patient interactions that you include in the book is this idea of someone named Joe, right. Who says, I know someone who doesn't do anything and all of a sudden they got cancer or someone who did all the wrong things and all of a sudden, and they've their whole life, they've never gotten cancer, but really you're, you're, you're showing that there is a part here that we can really control. And just because we can't control everything, doesn't mean that we should control nothing. That's right. And nothing is a hundred percent preventable. So you may do all the right things and still get cancer. It's about reducing your risk. And, you know, I see it in other health conditions too, where, you know, we know the relationship between weight and diabetes and, and people will say to me, they'll say, well, you know, I've been overweight for 20 years and I've only had diabetes for two. So it can't be related to my weight. And what I'm trying to help people understand, it's really those daily choices that we make over time. It's not any individual day. We all have bad days. We all have bad weeks. But if you make more poor choices than good choices over time, it's going to catch up with you in heart disease, in diabetes, but also in cancer as well. 
Mm. And to your point there, you know, with these personal choices that we're making, there's a component that's just general, right? We should all be making these good choices. We should all be eating better and exercising and so on. But you also speak about kind of my personal cancer risk. Can you speak a little bit more to understand for me personally, Mina, walking around, how do I know what my risk is? At the end of the day, that's all what people care about. And and, and that's understandable. You know, we talk about personalized medicine. It's what is my risk? So a big component is at first family history. And sometimes that's hard to ask people personal questions. That's the reason why many folks are doing these over-the-counter genetic tests. But an important point about that is those tests for a very small number of cancers. The other thing I point out in the book is there's numerous online calculators for risk. Doctors don't often do that as well as they should, but you can input your information, your age, your gender, your race, your smoking history. They often ask about your weight and your height because they're calculating your BMI for you. And many of them will tell you, what is your five-year risk of developing a certain type of cancer? What's your lifetime risk mm-hmm. of developing cancer? You know, we have this for prostate cancer. We have this for some other types of cancer. And that's good information for you. But, but also, let's keep this in mind because we know, oh, we've made advances in cancer treatment. We have. There's still a million cases of cancer diagnosed every year. A million in the U.S. 600,000 people die of cancer every mm-hmm. year. So all those great advancements doesn't apply to everyone and all types of cancer. Your risk of being diagnosed with some type of cancer during your lifetime is about one in three. That's because it includes skin cancer too. So, you know, benign skin cancer and your risk of dying from cancer in your lifetime is about one in seven. So cancer is still a significant cause of death and disability. So if there's things that you can do to help prevent it and reduce that risk, I want to help educate you. And that really was the goal of, you know, take control of your cancer risk. You know, this is so powerful and really puts things in perspective because I know over the past year and a half, the only illness that we've really thought about has been COVID, which is of course a serious thing, right? And encourage everyone to check out coronavirus in context, you know, with Dr. White, that's, that's really good. But at the same time, it sounds like there's been discussion about cancer screening that's been maybe lapsed a little bit because we've, you know, people just haven't been able to see their doctor quite as much. So it sounds like this is refocusing us to this. We expect at least 10,000 more deaths in the next couple of years due to delayed screenings. And Mm -hmm. and I get it. We told people not to come in. And, you know, it can be difficult for people to come in even pre-COVID. No one likes to go do their colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. People don't go for their mammograms. You know, I've called it, there's a FOFO. We know FOMO, fear (laughs) of missing out. There's also a FOFO for some people, fear of finding out. You don't want to know. So if you don't get screened, Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about it. And now we need to let people know it's safe to come back in. You know, we can do safeguards and you need to get screened because the important distinction here is I talked to a head and neck surgeon a couple months ago, a friend of mine here in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area. He was saying they would see typically one advanced case, like every two weeks, it was previously undiagnosed that came in basically what we say off the street that comes in with a mask on, on the face. During the height of the pandemic, you know, most of last year, they were not seeing that. The incidence of that type of cancer, head and neck cancer, didn't disappear. It's right. folks come in. And that's the concern. You know, what we're talking about here is how do we prevent 
cancer to begin with, but we also want to remind people to get screened, get tested early on, know what the screening interval is for you back to your personal risk. And that's what it depends on your personal risk, which may be different. Yours and mine might be different in terms of when we get screened for, you know, colorectal cancer, but you got to empower yourself with that knowledge first. So you know what to do. It sounds like that there's, there's definitely an incentive here for early screening that, that makes a difference. If you find that earlier as much as that, that debilitating anxiety can be very real for folks who are just afraid to kind of find out or kind of get into the hospital. But thank you for clarifying kind of the need for early screening here. And I want to touch on for a second in terms of the relationship between anxiety and stress and, yeah. and just sort of this mind-body connection. Can you speak a bit more to that? It's been a stressful year for everyone, kind of how that's impacted our actual health. And I want to give credit to you and to and tell the audience, you know, I talked to you early on about the role of stress in cancer. We also talked about it for diabetes as well. And physicians aren't always good about screening for mm. stress, anxiety. We do have these good scales that you know better than I in, in various diseases. But what I've learned through my research over the last few years is in many ways, Cancer is a disease of inflammation. Mm. You didn't think about it that way. And if you think about it, inflammation around your joints and other areas, you know, bothers you. It's bad. It's, it's abnormal. Inflammation for our cells is not good. And we Mm. know that stress and anxiety is a major cause of what we call cellular inflammation. Mm. What happens when we're stressed? We make mistakes. We, we don't function as well as we should. When we have that chronic daily stress, those heart racing, the, you know, the stomach problems, you can feel it for many people. So what happens to our cells when they're under the state of inflammation? They make mistakes. What do cells do? They divide and reproduce. And what happens is, with stress and inflammation, it kind of speeds it up. So Mm. if you had to make 50 cookies tonight, that's what you're used to making. But say I said, you know, Mina, now all of a sudden you need to make 200 because I got a lot of people coming tomorrow for a party and you need to do it now. You would make mistakes because you speed up. Some won't look like cookies. Some will be overcooked, undercooked. You know, I, I told this example where this happened this summer when we had a very small number of kids in our neighborhood come over for a party. Mm. It was held outside. I was like, oh, you know, I'll make cookies, you know, <laughs> dad made me cookies. And so I made them quickly. <laughs> it was for eight-year-olds. And uh, some of them were like, these don't look like cookies. Oh. Like, these don't taste that good. Because, I, you know, I thought, I'll do it quick. Like, you know, right. maybe you oven up a little higher <laughs> measure. I'm never a good measurer for things, but you're all top chefs. You gotta be careful. They can be very tough. <laughs> yeah. But that my point to it is when you're under constant stress and you have inflammation, your cells make mistakes too. Mm-hmm. And they create an environment where cancer cells can grow. And people don't think about that, but there's a wealth of data to support that. We know about the role of cortisol, kind of that stress hormone and what we've seen. That's why we've seen incidents in, in relationship to sleep, this, you know, our diurnal, our, our daily variation of different hormones. And, and that again, goes to the book. There's a science mm. behind why stress causes 
cancer and can increase risk. And people don't think about that, but it's in, even more important now to address issues of anxiety and stress. Again, some stress is good. We all have it. It's the constant daily stress that's preventing you from functioning. That's so well said. I mean, that's powerful. And it's, it speaks to the fact that when we're understanding this mind-body connection, we can help both our mind and, and our body. Yeah. And I, I know you see patients and I'm a big proponent of, you know, we have these anxiety scales, generalized anxiety, distress, right. other types. I also encourage patients to look at those surveys too ahead right. of time. They right. can start to fill out those questionnaires as well and have a good reference point. It's about empowering yourself with knowledge. I think that's really the key message of the book is the fact that we don't have as patients, you know, because even though we're doctors, but we can be patients yeah. too. And yeah. we always want to be empowered in this journey. We want to feel like there's something we can do, something we, we can literally uh, kind of take control in this process. And that's yeah. what I really love about the book. Honestly, if it makes me feel like even as someone who doesn't know a whole lot about cancer, you know, not nearly as much as you do, I feel like I know a lot more. Feel like I know what to look for and, and kind of when to. So I just really encourage the the viewer if you haven't gotten your copy yet of Take Control of Your Cancer Risk. I mean, this is a must have for each of us. And and Dr. White, I know that for people to connect with you it may not be hard. They just have to turn on their TV and they'll they'll be able to. <laughs> yeah, you can follow me on social media. It's my name at Dr. John White. You can email me at Dr. John at webmd.net. You know, I'm happy to, to answer questions. You know, the goal really is, and I know you and I share the same philosophy, that if we give people better information, that's going to lead to better health. Mm. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of shared decision-making with patients. As I mentioned, I still, I still see patients. You know, I want you to become informed. I want you to ask questions. I want you to question what, you know, folks are, are telling you and what you're reading. And at the end of the day, come up with a personalized cancer prevention plan. What's for you based on your family history, based on your underlying risk, and then based on your own behaviors. You know, I've learned from discussion with you. We don't tell people to change everything all at once. Right. So I don't want you to say, oh, I'm going to sleep better. I'm going to be less stressed. I'm going to eat a healthy diet and I'm going to be physically active. I'm going to start that tomorrow. That's a recipe for disaster. But at the same time, you can't always be like, well, I'll, I'll wait till the new year starts right. and then I'll do it. I'll wait till summer and then I'll do it. Or, you know, I got too much going on right now. That's the issue with sleep. Everyone mm. pushes it off. It's never a priority until you start to see the ramifications of poor sleep. Yeah. And I actually really love the restorative sleep chapter in your book, because yeah. we sometimes forget the impact of why your body needs that, right? That's something that's right. just, not just, you know, it really heals. That's, that's part of the, the way that your body recuperates and yeah. just regenerates. Um, Absolutely. So I just, you know, I just thank you again. I'm so grateful for your time. Yeah. And I, you know, I, this has been very informative for me and I hope for, for the viewers as well, who are, likely going to hopefully connect with you and and definitely learn more from your book here and i and i also i just want to highlight what you said here about being an informed patient because as a, as a doctor who comes when a patient comes to me with good questions and they even tough questions that's encouraging it's better than them just kind of putting it out uh, you know in in social media and then seeing whoever answers who may or may not have great information so thank you again dr white i really appreciate your time Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Please take a second to rate and review as this helps us reach more people. And until then, please don't forget to mind your health. See you soon.